Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, go ahead and roll for perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language. And with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from quiet queens to quaint questers. And today, we're talking about Tiamat. All right, Brian, this is uh, the first episode we're doing uh, in this new series. A new series. Called Deities and Demigods. Deities and Demigods. In which we will be discussing all the various deities and demigods. Various and, deities. Uh, demigods. Other, other greater powers, too. Like, greater powers. Like demon princes and whatnot. We'll probably add them to this list. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and we're starting with Tiamat. Okay, cool. Um, I knew that. Do you even know who Tiamat is? <laughs> Dragon Queen? She is she is the dragon queen. A god? Without a doubt. A goddess. She's a goddess, yes. Pardon my gendering. Um we chose I, I chose Tiamat because she's probably the most iconic evil uh D D D deity. D and D deity. It's um, between like her and probably like the Raven Queen, maybe? You know I feel like people a lot of people use the Raven a Queen. A lot of people like the Raven Queen, including me. She's a great deity, but as far as I know, she was introduced in fourth edition. Okay. Uh she's like the Oh, only- so it doesn't go that it doesn't have deep roots like Tiamat. No, would. no, not at all. Okay. Um, which I find I I think I swear to God, like the only thing people like from fourth edition is the Raven Queen. But <laughs> I mean I love fourth edition. I love once a days. Those are great. Yeah, those are great. Um it's actually funny how how popular the Raven Queen became. But she's a cool concept, and we will have an episode on her one day. But um, I would say that Tiamat's definitely one of the most popular villains in all of D&D. So much so that um, in, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s, it came out with the D&D cartoon. I'd say like animated adventures. And uh, it's a it's a cool show. I like that show. <laughs> but the main or one of the main villains is Tiamat. Cool. Um, and she, she's a bit different from like the actual D&D Tiamat, but it's mostly the same. So Tiamat is an incredible 
incredibly powerful draconic goddess. Uh, she's considered to be both the queen and also the mother of all evil dragons. Oh, shit. So she birthed evil dragons. Yes, yes. Literally created them. Uh, it that that is what is said. Yes, that is um, what is said. There is some conflicting lore, and we will we will get into that. She's mostly most often depicted as a five headed dragon. Okay, um, with each head being the head of one of the five main chromatics: so white, black, green, blue, and red. Um, the red is usually like the biggest of the five heads, mm-hmm. and not always. Sometimes they're all even, but it is very often depicted that the red is the main head. Okay, I was going to ask um, if that's what that signified. Sure. And and it signify it's because the reds are technically the mightiest of chromatics, and they're supposed to be Tiamat's favorites, the most dominant. As they're well. the most yeah. dominant, yeah. And she rewards those that are dominant and take what they want. Okay. She also has a wyvern tail uh, on oh. her because those are like spiky, right? Um, or poisonous? It's a tail with the, like a scorpion uh, poisonous thing, thing at the end. Um, a stinger. That's the word I'm a looking stinger. for. Stinger. I'm tired today, so I'm like, what? What word is it? Um, <laughs> but um, but I think that's to signify. You know, wyverns do fall under dragons, so I guess she would have sway over wyverns as well. Um, now the the name team is actually based off an ancient Mesopotamic goddess uh, of the salt sea. Okay. Um, they don't really share anything. In common, except for one thing, the the ancient Mesopotamic deity Tiamat, she's considered the mother of all monsters in in ancient mythology, and we will kind of talk about Tiamat and her uh, her prolific uh, like affinity breeding. For my, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> and giving birth to many children. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, dragons um, do like to breed, right? Oh uh, yeah, they do, and I think Tiamat more than others, but. Uh, she has other other um, avatars, not just the five-headed dragon. That's probably the most common and probably her favorite one. But Tiamat does deal with other humanoids. So sometimes she takes the form of a like human sorcerer okay. with like, long black hair. Cool. Um, in, Comes down to the mortal realm, the uh, material plane, if you will. Yeah, well, uh, maybe she'll appear in someone's dreams or something. Oh, uh, sometimes shit. she... Well, okay, so this Freddy is a little Kruger conflicting style. because there is... A setting called Dragonlance, which I've spoken about a lot. And in Dragonlance, there's a deity named Tachesis. Okay. And she's like the main evil deity in that world. And she is... There are so many similarities between her and Tiamat that they're practically the same. But they are very different. But Tachesis does have an avatar where she comes into mortal's dreams as a dark-haired seductress. Ooh. And so that is another avatar that she can have. She also has an avatar of like a great warrior in black armor. So she has cool. these various avatars. She's she's a many faceted deity. I see. Okay. Um, the current 5e lore has her as chaotic evil, which is pretty fitting. She's also been depicted as lawful evil in previous editions. It kind of varies because she, okay, so Tiamat wasn't always a deity. Uh, right now she's a lesser deity. In some editions she's been a greater deity, but in the original um Dungeons and Dragons game. She was just a really, really fucking powerful dragon that ended up kind of hooking up with the powers of hell. And she actually was nice. an archdevil of oh, the first layer of hell, Avernus, of, of the nine hells. Um, which explains a lot because I didn't know that when I first got into DD, and I always thought it was really bizarre that this dragon deity lives in the nine hells. It just never made sense to me. <laughs> uh, we'll, but we'll kind of get into that later. Let's talk about uh, her origins. So, okay, yes. Deity, or uh, deity, Tiamat is, she has two two origins. 
there is a deity named Io, who is the all-father dragon deity. That's a dope name. Yeah, it's a really cool name. And he or she, I think Io is normally depicted as a he, but I've seen uh, Io depicted as a she, and I, I just prefer the she one. Okay. So I'm going to continue to say she, but Io is supposed to be the mother of Tiamat and Bahamut. They're supposed to be um, twins. I see. Okay. Um, that is one example of the lore. There's another where Tiamat and Bahamut are actually two halves of a whole that is Io, and that Io was split in half during the Dawn War. That's tight. I think it's really cool. This is fourth edition lore. The but, Dawn War. Uh, yeah. This is fourth edition lore, uh, and when Io was split in twain, two deities were born from it. One was Tiamat and one was Bahamut. You said cleft in twain. Uh, yeah. Some so, warrior came with their giant cleaver and split this god and yeah, the powers well, of the divine kept it as two beings instead well, of just killing it. It was it was a primordial, but yes. Okay. Essentially yes. Um, which I like this lore. Okay. I like this lore a lot. There's really a cool lot of really cool fourth edition lore. Here's the thing. Okay, sorry, this is a little bit off track, but the more I research stuff uh, that has to do with Dungeons and Dragons, the more I realize that as much as I love fourth edition, it was almost designed to piss everybody who ever liked D&D off because what? they change everything. Like they didn't just change like the way the game was played. Like when it comes to like, you know, oh, I get more, what you're saying. They like scrapped everything, they and, scrapped kept, everything. and kept the names. They kept the names. Changed the lore. They changed all the lore. Now, most of it ended up being really cool ideas, like really cool ideas. But I think just, the, the drastic change from 3.5 to 4th and not just the type the way the game is played and the way the books are laid out, but in the lore behind all the different deities and and uh, the abyss and all this, like it all just changed. It was like, it, it, I think if I would have played D&D before 4th edition and then 4th edition came out, I think I would have hated it too. You probably, that's what where the split comes from with your yeah. audience. And now you have Pathfinder, which is like right. the embodiment right. of 3.5 as yeah. I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much I'm it. sure Pathfinder is great game. The numbers are huge. The number, I yeah, always hear Pathfinder about the numbers being so is, huge. You know, it is what it is. One day we'll have to play Pathfinder. Yeah. Uh, I definitely. played it and um, it's not my cup of tea, generally speaking, but it's a good game. Okay. Um, all right, but let's get back on track. So yeah, the, the concept of IO being split in twain is fourth edition lore. And I think it's really cool, but either way, team has this inherent connection to Bahamut. Okay. Who is the father and, and king. Bahamut's like the good one, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Bahamut's the father and king of all good metallic dragons. And those good metallic dragons. Yeah. Well, all good dragons. And, and that's the thing. Cause there are other dragons that are good that aren't metallic. And Tiamat is the mother and queen of all evil dragons, regardless of if they're uh, chromatic or devastation or gem dragons or whatever. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Sure. Ele- elemental dragons. There's all kinds of dragons we could talk about. Oh yeah. Um, so, Io is considered, like, to be this lawful neutral deity of, like, balance and stuff. And because of this, like, Bahamut and Tiamat are these extremes that are uh, completely against each other in every every concept and way. And so, while Bahamut is the god of, like, justice and fairness and, you know, valor and nobility... Um, Tiamat is the goddess of tyranny, envy, and greed, and pride. So they're not, they're like, mom and dad aren't inviting, inviting them to Thanksgiving. No. And they're not like sitting down no. at the table together. They hate each other. <laughs> like it's just mom. Mom or dad or whatever. Io, whatever, mom, yeah. Mom, dad. <laughs> um, but parent. they, the parent, yeah. <laughs> they, they hate each other. They loathe each other. They're 
entire purpose of existence is to thwart the other. Okay, cool. Um, Super cool. And, and that embodies itself down the line with the uh, chromatics and the metallics, right? Yes, that's why there's such a strong opposition between the two. For sure. We will talk a little bit about that because that is a complicated relationship the Bahamut and Tiamat have. Oh, yeah. Especially with like them polymorphing and being more like posing as mortals and shit. And, and yeah, and Bahamut loves to pose as a mortal, but that he'll get his own episode. So, okay. So let's let's talk about like who Tiamat is. Uh, if I were to give one word as a description for Tiamat's personality, um, vainglorious is the word. That I would use. Vainglorious? Vainglorious. Have you ever heard that word? No, I didn't. I, okay. It sounds like two words. It is. They are mashed together, but it is one word. It is a word. Well, you're just the big cheater. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> take it up with the Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> For sure. I so, will. I will. Basically, she wants everything and everyone to worship, serve, and adore her in the way she feels she deserves. Okay. She is a queen. She is the queen. Oh. And she's the queen of the most ultimate beings on the planet dragons like my boots mortals exactly she wants all the treasure she wants all the reverence she wants all the homage she wants that she she just wants it she wants it all she's greedy for it so let me ask you this if these dragons of hers these chromatics are going around collecting all this treasure and getting Mm -hmm. hordes of shit together what's stopping her from coming down and being like thanks for collecting all this gold that is now mine well i mean gods can't just come into the material plane oh okay it's just not because if they could like well, yeah. game over. Yeah. <laughs> like how devils and demons have a hard time exactly. busting out. Exactly. Okay, sure. Um, we'll have to have an episode on like planar interactions or something. Because Fantasy like, physics. There's a lot of different like explanations for why like all these great evil things can't just get into the regular world normally. We should do a line of episodes for fantasy physics. Oh, yeah. And that I could be so. one of them. Yeah, we should do a fantasy physics series. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's her basic personality. But her primary goals are defeat all good dragons. Good dragons suck. <laughs> Fuck them. I'm, um, I'm literally picturing like a notepad. <laughs> yeah. I know. With an empty check mark check, box on the yeah, end. I know. That's check one. Check two is propagate her children she wants her babies to just take over everything propagate children (laughs) and defeat and not just defeat but dominate bahamut like completely (laughs) dominate him i think sway him to evil is a big part of her she wants to change him on the notepad it says defeat bahamut and then it's scratched out and it (laughs) says dominate bahamut (laughs) make bahamut slave but it 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 gets (laughs) a little weird it, it is said that her obsession with Bahamut has turned into almost an incestual kind of thing where she oh, no. wants him in every way possible. Oh, just yeah. all the green. It's very games of, Game of Thrones. Thronesy. So, so yeah, there it is. Uh, <laughs> I find that fascinating because, like, she's just so sick, twisted, and corrupt. Like, her hatred has... It's kind of like the opposite of vampirism when the, the mortal loves somebody. Yeah, but they became a vampire, and, and now it, they obsess. It's like this sick parody of love, right? It's like this, her, her hatred of her sibling has like twisted and become corrupted. Yeah, it's itself. like infused with like this, like this overarching like greed. It sounds yeah. like this envy or like whatever it is. Like you just want, and yeah, you want it all exactly. And that's that's exactly what T Mat is. You nasty. Uh, she is. She is very nasty. <laughs> um, she spends most of her time torturing. Uh, Whoever, <laughs> whoever she, she can she, find, she tortures all kinds of. She tortures whatever her breaks followers. Through. She okay. tortures her children. She tortures her consorts. Uh, maybe not outright. Maybe she'll be like uh, kind of like pitting them against each other or like mentally fucking with them. Yeah, being sneaky about it because like outright fucking with your followers isn't a great way to like retain. Yeah, although know, she does audience. do that too. 
Um, oh shit! But yeah, no, she's ruthless and like she's she can't have that incredibly powerful. She can't have that many like worshippers, right? Hachima has a fair amount of worshippers. She's pretty big deity. Um, okay. She's a lesser deity now, but I always preferred her as a greater deity just because like, well, she's like the main deity of evil dragons that are these big, bad, powerful things. Like shouldn't their goddess be like pretty big, bad, and powerful? True, true. And not to say lesser deity is anything to sneeze at, but like, I don't know. I, I always see her and Bahamas as greater deities, but I can understand why some people would want her as a lesser deity. So she became, uh, she ascended to godhood in 5e lore? In 4e. And remember, four he changes but, everything, but that carries over into five e. Uh, no, it does oh, not. Okay, they, they uh, with fifth edition, just straight up, you're a god. Yeah, well, in fourth edition, yeah, she was just named a greater deity. There was no excuse given. But remember, since they changed the origin lore, it kind of made more sense. Okay, but regardless, like it, it just it just kind of depends on what you want. I'm kind of used to her being a um greater deity because Tinkesis in Dragonlance is a greater deity. She's one of the three great deities. Okay. Yeah. So like I just have a hard time divorcing that concept. So, uh, you know, she's always scheming, you know, always planning, always trying to come into the mortal plane and take it over. That is just like so much so that like the first main adventure that fifth edition came out with, which was the, it was a three part series called, um, first it was, Oh my gosh, what was it called? I'm drawing a blank here. I, I remember that the second one was called Horde of the Dragon Queen, and the third one was called The Rise of Tiamat. Tyranny of Dragons. That's okay, it. Yeah, there Tyranny you go. of Dragons is the name of the first uh part and the overarching story. And it's the very first adventure that came out with fifth edition. And I hear it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, cool. And in the end, you can fight Tiamat and they have stats for her. And dear fucking Jesus, they are fucking powerful. That sounds like you would at least need a, sh- need a short rest after that fight. Yeah, I would definitely say you need a short rest after fighting Tiamat. Let's take one. All right. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. 
And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the part of the episode where we stop talking about that last thing we were talking about. We're going to talk about you guys and how much we love you. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate everybody who's been listening to the show. Thanks for making it to this part of the episode. Just thank you so much for leaving uh, iTunes reviews and this and that hitting the like button, hitting the subscribe button. We see them all. We love them all. Keep, com- <laughs> keep commenting on our stuff. We want to talk to you. It's true. We do love them all. <laughs> we love you all. What else do we got to talk about? Uh, we got to talk about how our ongoing contest that was ongoing for so, so long is now over. It is. So two people won. I don't know who they are yet because we record this ahead of time. Yeah, as of the time <laughs> this episode drops, it's over. Yeah. Right now, as we're recording it, it's not quite over. But it is over. So, it's over. It's not over. It is over. We're in a time paradox. Fuck. Yeah, it's true. Well, congratulations to the winners, and we will announce you guys on the show as soon as we can. Yeah. Uh, you will have already been announced on Twitter, without a doubt, and hopefully with uh, the prizes uh, heading to you. Yeah, and that being said, we also have somebody, we got a new patron on Patreon, oh, and yeah. as such, we shout you out on the show. Sorry it's so delayed. As we said, we do record these ahead of time, so this is the first opportunity we've had to say thank you to Isaac M. for donating to our Patreon. So thank you, Isaac. Thank really you, Isaac. Really appreciate it. This episode's for you. Yeah, man. <laughs> you and you alone. Yeah, that being said, you can find us on Patreon.com slash TheDungeonCast. You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash TheDungeonCast. You can find us on YouTube if you search the TheDungeonCast. Thank you, Josh Freeland, and you can find us... Uh, if you on Twitter at the Dungeon Cast, you can email us the dungeoncast at gmail.com. If you got something you want to say, say it. Tell us. Don't be scared. Leave an <laughs> iTunes review. Tweet a link out to our show. It really helps us out a lot. Word of mouth is a great way to uh, spread word. And God, man, just thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. And with that, we're going to end our short rest. And when we end our short rest, we go back to the show. Back to the show. One dive into the best podcast of your life. <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay, so we talked a bit about what Tiamat does, and she does some other things. Um, she is infamous for having um, a myriad of consorts. She usually has five. Oh, my. One. <laughs> she has one uh, consort for each chromatic type. Okay. And they're usually the mightiest, powerful 
of their type. Okay, yeah, sure. So like the most mighty and powerful red, most mighty and powerful green, the most accomplished and the biggest horde. So age isn't a f- <laughs> you have such a big horde. <laughs> age <laughs> yeah. isn't a factor. Age is a factor, which we'll get into. You better she be usually, ancient. She usually has them fight amongst the, themselves <laughs> and like, well. Oh, you mean like the potential consort for each chromatic? She usually has all five consorts with her in her dragon spawn pits which oh, is where she is that's which fun. is dragon spawn pits is a very apt name because she she does give birth there a lot she's <laughs> laying a lot of eggs um because she fornicates with her consorts quite a lot she usually has them fight for it or fight amongst each other and she, it's it gets weird in the dragon spawn pits and we're gonna leave it at that but let's do age is a factor because when they get old enough to start to decline she usually eats them <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can't listeners can't see my face but i imagine it's a little bit shocking yeah so this is my this bee is a prey mantis yeah yeah very much so oh, shoot. very much so um furthermore like she she gives birth to a lot of children they're usually mighty draconic monsters oh um, shoot. sometimes they end up being like demigods um she eats a lot of them she uh, just <laughs> she I'm not I'm not playing around. She eats a lot of them. I think my um, strong child. Nom nom nom. nom. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things is she's known to eat any of them that show any type of bichromatic um genetic uh expressions. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? So anything that's not like a pure red, basically? Yeah, she'll eat it. Because, okay, remember that she wasn't always a goddess. Impure. I mean, no, not impure. Like, oh, too much like me. You're, you're a competition. Oh, oh I eat wow. you, yeah. So, like, now, you have two two different types of dragon. Yeah. You're too oh, powerful. Oh, you, you have three heads, and three of them are, like, three different colors. Yeah, I'm eating you. Oh, shoot. Yeah, and okay, again, yeah. this ties into the early Tiamat lore where she was not a deity of any kind. And so, like, theoretically, a dragon could grow to be as powerful as her. Okay, yeah. Um, this doesn't quite make as much sense now, but whatever. Yeah, she, I wanted she to eats ask her you, babies. if it's so hard to get to the material plane or whatever after, you know, as a god, mm-hmm. if she has these consorts with her, mm-hmm. she doesn't have an issue getting them to her? No, because mortals can... It, I think the general concept is the more powerful the being is, uh, the harder time they have trans averting between planes. Okay, cool. So there's like a firewall basically up. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Too planes. much data. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there there it is. Um stats don't compute. Yeah, stats don't compute. Uh Kernel Mac, you remember Kernel Mac? We talked about Kernel Mac in the last episode, Kobolds. Oh man, well god- at that point that was a while ago. <laughs> uh, the god of Kobolds. The god of Kobolds. Yeah. Uh the one that got trapped by a girl glitter gold in the infinite maze. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, that Kernel- was funny. Kernel Mac is supposedly one of her children. Okay. So apparently she doesn't just breed with other dragons uh, maybe she bred with a kobold that doesn't seem quite right to be but who's to say who knows who the dragon queen fornicates with <laughs> that i don't want to talk about it, it was a kobold that kobold <laughs> was eaten as wheaties yeah apparently <laughs> um well i i do know that she does she in fourth edition she had a dragonborn consort who was like the most biggest baddest level 30 dragonborn hell ever. yeah so yeah um so yeah he that dude exists. Yeah, uh, solid he has a name. triceps. He has, yeah, he has a name that I don't remember. All right, let's talk about where he she did lives. not skip leg day. No, never. <laughs> um, so as you know, Tima is placed in the nine hells. Yeah, um, that's okay. the traditional locale of her um, lair, which is named the Dragon Spawn Pits. Um, I always kind of ask myself why, and the main reason is that well, she wasn't always a deity. She was kind of a major evil dragon. That because she was lawful evil and so powerful, they placed her in the lawful evil plane of existence, which is the nine hells. Okay. And then they ended up 
uh, building up some lore between her and the devils, in which case she kind of what she was subservient to Asmodeus, which again, I have personal problems with because Asmodeus was all not always a deity either. And like, so not only was Tiamat, the queen of dragons, not a deity, or even if she was, she was still um, subservient to this other being who was not a deity. And that, that the, never sat right with In me. the world of the player's handbook, all serve character alignment. Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. And here's the thing, like, Asmodeus has gone through, like, different levels of deitydom. Like, I think he's a lesser deity now, but he was a greater deity. In my world, he's a greater deity. In my world, team has a greater deity. In my world, they don't have shit to do with each other. Okay, But let's sure. talk about the official lore. Um, and, and not only is she lawful evil sometimes, and was she technically not a god in the beginning, but she does have a lot of devil-like attributes to her. And we sure. kind of talked about this in the dragon episode where we, I talk about how sinful dragons are. Yeah. It's very, very seven sins. Like they're yes, greedy, yes. Uh, they're envious, they're wrathful, they're prideful, they're all, all these things. Devilish. They're slothful, right? they're lustful, they're okay. very devilish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, like exactly. Like the devils are all those things too. So there is a, a similar personality matchup there. Dragons sleep for long periods of time, right? Um. Oh, they, they, can. they can, right? They can, like, they'll just yeah. go dormant, basically. They can. Uh, does Tiamat do that? Does like, eh, dorm out? Not really. It's not okay. like a thing. I mean, I'm sure she could. But the point I'm trying to make here is that if you put Asmodeus and Tiamat on OK Cupid, they have a 97% matchup. That's my point. <laughs> For sure. I see. <laughs> so yeah. Um, also, there are there are some tidbits of lore that suggest that well, maybe Bahamut banished her there. And like once oh. you're banished to a plane of existence, like, well, it's hard to, you know. Get yeah, out. some good magic. Yeah. And Bahama is quite powerful. So because of this, though, she does have relationships with devil kind and she has a lot of devil uh, minions. Okay. Like a lot of them. Uh, and she eats, she eats them too. <laughs> <laughs> um, she used to rule Avernus, which is the first layer of hell. Um, and she had a main pit fiend general dude named Bell who ultimately betrays her and usurps her. Um, oh, here's the thing. Like she... As always, she she did she did a shit job at her job. Her job okay, was to yeah. run Avernus, and because of her slothfulness and her uh, her own machinations and plans that she's trying to, she just did a shit job. She, did, so, she was too much being a dragon, not enough being a devil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. very much so. She was too much about her, not enough about the overall system. Yeah. Okay. And so you know, her pay got docked, and she got demoted. So there is <laughs> the nine hells uh, is a corporate nine hells. Yeah, pr- yes, very much so. <laughs> At least I think so. Um, now I do know that in the lore that she did form a deal with Asmodeus to hook her up with the dragon spawn pits, and so the dragon spawn pits are the entrance to the second layer of hell. Oh, so sh- okay, she, for sure. So she controls the gate, and like I don't like any of this. I'm going to be honest. I don't like the concept that not only was she demoted, but she basically begged for another chance to Asmo. I'm like, this doesn't sit right with me. You really want to stay here? Yeah, you really, I mean, obviously you're, I guess you're trapped, but this is shitty. I don't like this. This is shitty. I mean, if Um, you're trapped and you want a position of power of some kind, like what the alternative must be awful. Right. And, and the thing is, like, she also does a shit job of protecting the gate because <laughs> she's just not she's not good at working for herself. OK. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You got any questions about like the general uh, Tiamat in the Nine Hills deal? No, that's like, she hates it there. She's yeah. always trying to escape. Yeah. Um, but it's 
it's it's got to be super hard because it's ultra powerful creatures having trouble constantly. Yeah. I, they probably okay. have to like weave their way and in, into a position where they can possibly even try. Right. And here another thing that bugs me is like she is she is acknowledged as the sovereign overlord of all evil dragons. And I don't understand how dragons can kind of bend to her will when basically she in the in the official lore she's really shit at everything she does and she's kind of super trapped and she's deferent to all these other like deities like I just have a hard time imagining like reds and even blues and greens who are known to be more reverent and zealous mm-hmm, towards mm-hmm. her to be deferent to her it's like she sucks like <laughs> like why would you respect her she's she, and like not only does she suck at everything she does but then she'll eat you right like, well yeah. it's probably just respect out of fear right and it, yeah it is respect out of fear but like she's trapped in the nine hells yeah you got so nothing to be scared of that and that kind of explains why dragons just kind of run amok yeah i don't know none of it sits not, like, right with me check. but i also didn't grow up with this lore so there it is anyways moving on um not only dragons worship her and follow her, Dragonborn obviously can totally be on her jam. Kobolds are definitely on her jam. Mm-hmm. Um, other humans, humans can, because, you know, you got the whole tyranny thing and the greed and like, it's it, very much the same way that people would, would be attracted to like Asmodeus's cults. Right. They might okay. be. They, they crave the power. Uh, they crave the power and the wealth. Right. And Tiamat offers both. Um, or at least she, she encourages you to pursue both. And she kind of rewards you if you give her some of that. Okay, yeah. So um, there, there is a very prominent cult called the Cult of the Dragon that you know humanoids tend to be attracted to. Nice. This cult. Okay, this is this is the cult of the I dragon. Kind of want to talk. It to sounds like the Eye of the Tiger. About. Yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> so the Cult of the Dragon is exceptionally well organized, has a strict hierarchy, and it's a very lawful evil organization. And I like this. And I like the concept that Tiamat, I don't like the concept of Tiamat being lawful evil because nothing she does is lawful evil. She's so self-serving. Like all the lore points to her being chaotic evil, regardless of her having the little tag that says lawful evil. And I like this idea that this chaotic evil goddess demands that her minions and followers be lawful evil because that is more conducive to the worship she wants. <laughs> because if all your followers are chaotic evil, you're not going to be able to get them to do anything and they won't worship you quite the way team I would want. Right. So and if you I, follow the rules. Yeah, if you follow the rules and it all works out in her benefit. And I like this for this reason. I also like it because it's a good reflection of in Dragonlance, uh Tekesis, who is basically Tiamat, even though she isn't, um, she is chaotic evil. And okay. Her minions for most of history were chaotic evil, and she kept fucking failing in her takeover of the world of Kryn. Because no one's organized. Because no one's organized, and her antithesis, Paladine, is lawful good, and like the the forces of elves and men and the Knights of Salamnia would always come together and work together and defeat her. And after thousands and thousands of years of this happening, she decided to instill a lawful evil uh, doctrine amongst her followers. Okay. And she she ended up raising these the knights of Tekesis. And she totally fucking dominates. Oh. It works like a motherfucker. Nice. Um although it does have this strange effect of like her knights end up slowly kind of turning from lawful evil to lawful neutral. But they still serve her, so it all works out for her. Yeah. Kinda. I mean With, Tiamat sounds more like like neutral evil to me, just because I, I that's a fair that's a fair judgment. Yeah, yeah. you just like want 
you want this shit, you're going to instill a lawful evil thing to benefit you. I think that's a very fair. That's a very fair judgment. I, I could follow that argument. Um, damn, fuck it. She's lo- she's neutral evil. You heard it here. <laughs> Welcome to the dungeon cast. <laughs> Welcome to the dungeon cast. All serve the alignment chart. <laughs> we decide. So, uh, so yeah, they're, they're well organized. They're usually dedicated to bringing her to the prime material plane. Uh, they're dedicated to propagating her children. They're usually raising eggs and shit. Yeah, okay. Um, they hoard treasure, and they love fucking up Bahamut shit. Like, if Bahamut's doing something, they're usually trying to fuck it up. Okay, nice. So, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. So, uh, we talked about Team Mass Layer, the dragon's uh, spawn pits, and she guards the gate to the second layer of hell. Let's talk about fourth edition lore, because I prefer it. Okay. Uh, in this one, she is a greater deity. And in fourth edition, she has a layer in this astral mountain called Mount Tytherion. Which That's is, a dope name. It, it's a really cool name. Um, which was originally the home of a other deity called Zahir. Zahir was the deity of assassins and poison and murder and snakes. Straight? Oh, man. What? The Legend of Korra has uh-huh. a bad guy called Zahir, and he tries to kill the Avatar by poisoning her. Oh, yeah, there it is. So Whoa. maybe there's, I don't know much about Zahir, but Zahir Whoa. will get an episode, so okay. we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> another time. Um, now, it's kind of a... She was able to force Zahir and his followers out of their, like, catacombs underneath the mountain. Yeah, okay. But she wasn't able to completely uh, rout them. So they're kind of sharing Mount Tytherion, but they're constantly warring. And the kind of the, the ironic or funny thing here is that um, Tiamat, excuse me, Tiamat routed Zahir and his followers out of the catacombs and up onto the, the surface and where the sky is. Okay, yeah. But now she's kind of stuck there because Shit. she can't get quite out because they're out there and she wants to because she would way prefer the sky and the surface. Okay, yeah. While Zahir is stuck on the outside wishing he could go back into his catacombs <laughs> and can't fight his way back in because she's there. And so they're both stuck in this fucking situation they don't want to be in. But their pride also, they they can't even conceive the concept of like well maybe we should trade places like no (laughs) never gonna happen i'll never succumb to you i know that's exactly it not even if it benefits us both mutually (laughs) i know so i like this lore i think it's simultaneously hilarious and cool yeah and uh yeah that's a fun story and i like the idea of even if she's having to share this it's not she's not sharing it because like she's subservient to the true rulers she's like fighting over it still like it's an ongoing war yeah like, it's like a territorial dispute i'm into that i think it's cool the symbol of tiamat is a five-headed spiral or a five-pointed spiral where each head or claw because it's kind of pointed uh is a different color one of the five chromatic colors so oh, cool. black white red green and blue i don't know why i just when you said the circular one the spiral i pictured the ouroboros but with like Instead of one snake, it's just like five dragon heads eating each That'd other. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I'll have to show you the the team at the official team at symbol. I think it's a really cool, cool symbol. Yeah, it's it one of the cooler awesome. symbols. Yeah. Um, so as we said in the Lich episode, if it has stats, it, you can kill it, or at least it can kill you. Yeah. Let's talk about team at stats because they're fucking ridiculous. That's actually a huge throwback to one of yeah. our earlier episodes when we were doing uh, Sage DM Wisdom. Oh, is oh yeah, it has it stats. Totally is. You can I forgot. kill it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very true. Um, okay, so I do know that in the uh, the Rise of Tiamat adventure, there are supposedly things you can do during the adventure to take out some of Tiamat's features so that she's easier to defeat. And if you do those things, she's almost actually too easy to defeat. 
Okay. But from my understanding, if if you fail to do any of these things, she's not impossible to defeat. And we're going to talk about how and why. So first off, she has 25 AC, which is massive. That's really big. That's incredibly hard to hit. 650, 615 HP, which honestly isn't as high as I would like for her avatar. I, I would boost that up personally. Okay. But... There's other things in play here. She's immune with the 25 AC. That's it, yeah, yeah. That you know, there's a balance there. Um, immune. She's immune to the five elements of Dragon's Breath. Oh, cool. So what immune. is that? Light. She yeah, immune. So what is that? Lightning, fire, cold, poison, and acid. She's immune yep. to all five of those okay. things. She's also immune to all non-magical weapons, as should be expected. She's immune to most conditions. I don't think prone is one of them, <laughs> but uh, I don't remember what the details are, but. 90% of conditions she's immune to. Here's where it starts getting crazier. She's immune to all spells below the level of six. Ugh. Any spell cast below a six level slot just doesn't do shit. I mean, thankfully, the spells that you're casting above level six are really good. But then she has legendary resistance in which five times a day she can just choose to save off anything. God, so five of those? Five of those. Wow. So you're burning these big spell slots and she can if save. she if if she doesn't save, she can just choose to. Right. And she probably will save anyways because her saves are huge. So good luck with that. So she'll still take like the half damage if it calls for that. Um, like when you save, yeah, they still take yeah, the I think so. Well, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um she has access to a spell called Divine Word, which she can just cast three times a day. And I'm I'm actually struggling right now to remember the details, but I do believe that it, it's something along the lines of divine word is cast on you when you have 30 HP or less, you just instantly die. <laughs> oh bummer! There's no save, no nothing. You're just gone. Now. Single target though. Single target. Yeah. There's that. Uh, she can take one reaction per turn, which it, which means on her turn she has a reaction, and on every other person's turn she also has a reaction. Oh, that's a bummer. Yes. Wow. Um, five heads, I guess. That's what it does for you. Yeah. Uh, regeneration 30. So she's regenerating 30 HP every single re- ter- uh, round. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She attacks with her claws and tails and her frightful pleasant presence. And of course, her tail, like all dragons have. Right. She has five legendary points. Okay. She could spend all these points on like different combination, uh, con- uh, combinations of her five dragon breaths, which are devastatingly powerful. Right. So, yeah. Dragon breath is uh, real crazy. Yeah. Furthermore, she could cast spells like any dragon. Um, that's kind of more up to your DM what you're giving her at that point. Okay. But, yeah, Neil say she's incredibly powerful. Yeah, man. Yeah, so. uh, and I always, uh, Tiamat's winged, a winged beast. Yeah, she can fly. Yeah, so uh, I always. Like, she's got true sight, too. Dude, it's so, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard to knock winged, like, in my head, to knock something winged prone. You have to turtle back it. Yeah, or else yeah, like basically. it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Like it could just use the tail or the wings well, to like help pick itself up. I'll have to look into the rules on this, but I always figure like if something's in flight and you knock it prone, does like, it just fall to the ground? Or I mean, even if it doesn't quite hit the ground, like maybe they have to do a save to right themselves. Otherwise, they will hit the ground. Oh, like you knock them prone in midair, and now they're in a free fall. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so. I think we talked about that in the Air Kokra episode, where I was like, "Well, if you're up in the air and you get knocked prone or knocked unconscious." And you fall, like, you might die, especially <laughs> early levels. Can you imagine uh, Tiamat, like, flying through the air and doing, like, a spiral motion and firing all the breaths off? Yeah, That'd be oh, fucking shit. wild. It would, look, it would look a lot like her symbol. <laughs> it, would look, it would look a lot like a, one of those scenes in Pokemon where, like, like Charmander and Pikachu and Bulbasaur and Squirtle all fire their cannon attack at once. That's and true. it's like a blend of, like, <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, Tiamat, she's just all the Pokemon in one. <laughs> the ultimate Pokemon. Um... 
So that's pretty much it. I think in my notes here, I wrote on, on Tachesis, she isn't because she isn't like they are incredibly similar to each other. And there's no doubt in my mind that Tachesis is based off of Tiamat. Okay. But Tachesis is so much more and a lot more powerful and just very, very different. Um, so we'll talk about Tachesis if we ever do a Dragonlance episode, which I imagine we will one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, do you got any questions about Tiamat, the Dragon Queen? She also goes by her Dark Majesty. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. So just just all chromatic. It's yeah. Just like the embodiment of everything chromatic. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. I mean, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I could run this monster. Yeah. You think one so? Of my campaigns. Yeah, yeah. You think you could add her to your world and you got all this juicy lore in her now? I think I could. Okay. That's good to hear. <laughs> all right. With that, I think we're gonna draw it to an end, folks, and we're gonna call it a game. Let's call it a game. See all you right. later. We'll Thanks talk to a you lot. guys later. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.